You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Lucy Jones, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Our guest today is one of the biggest stars of the West End. She's gone direct from singing on our screens on The X Factor to performing in some of the greatest shows and the biggest roles in the business. Most notably as Cosette in Les Miserables, Meet in We Will Rock You, Molly in Ghost, Elle Woods in Legally Blonde and Maureen Johnson in Rent, to name but a few. In May 2019, after her face appeared all across Times Square in New York City in a pretty remarkable ad campaign, the secret was finally out, and she stepped in to finally get her long-awaited moment to play Jenna in the stage adaptation of Musical Waitress, a show penned by music superstar Sarah Bareilles. As the West End begins to open up, she's now starring as the ghost of Christmas past in A Christmas Carol, the musical stage concert live at the Dominion Theatre alongside the legendary Brian Connolly. Up next, it's Lucy Jones on Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Making sure that our conversation is fully COVID secure and safe, just to let you know that Lucy and I connected digitally, so please forgive any brief moments of madness while we wait for the internet to kindly catch up. Enjoy. Hi, Lucy Jones. Hi, Will Connolly. How are you? I'm very well. It's so nice to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a long, long time. Well, that is the line of 2020, isn't it? Every time I do see someone, I go, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you since like March. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a long time. And also we're not even in person, which is so strange because I'm so used to sitting in a theatre and seeing you play characters, see you in concerts. I mean, I think that was actually just to correct myself, the last time I saw you was your solo concert, which we will come to in a second. But yeah, we are doing this digitally for anyone that's wondering if I'm inside of Lucy's bubble now. That we're not, sadly, but um, we've got lots of questions. I wish you were. I sort of do. And to be fair, I am going to come see you in the show. I must confess, I haven't seen it yet, but I am scheduled to come see it. So um, maybe we can be in the bubble then. But thank you so much for being on Eleven. It's such a pleasure to see you. We've got so much to talk about. And I can't believe I'm saying this, and it's so unbelievably exciting to say that theatre is back, like the West oh. End is starting to open. I mean, let's talk about the show in a second. Does it feel like epic? It's unbelievable. I think last weekend was one of my favourite weekends of my life. Mm-hmm. We were in tech for Christmas Carol at the Dominion, which is huge, huge theatre. Yeah. Uh, and we were kind of seeing the the work come to fruition that... I mean, I'll talk about Freddie Tapner and LMTO in a minute, but I am just floored by them. They have done the impossible in the shortest amount of time. We're not putting on a show that's been done before here. This is new. And it's like a staged concert, but there is movement and there is staging. And it's quite incredible. The orchestra are on stage with us. And we were in tech doing all these things. And I'd look at social media and Six was opening. And Jamie was announcing and Come From Away was announcing. And Fringe Theatres were opening. And I was just like, I could have cried. I did cry a lot this weekend. But I could have cried every (laughs) minute on the minute. It was just incredible. There was just a feeling of, we're back. Yeah. along many many different levels and you know what's been really amazing is that earlier this year I felt quite a a sense of 
um, almost guilt that I was doing things yeah, and that yeah. some of my friends weren't able to. And um, and then there, then as you and I have talked about separately, the cancel culture of oh, you've got to be really careful what you're saying at the minute and things that have been blown out of proportion so easily. Um, I almost didn't want to tell people if I was going to be doing something really cool and exciting, which is which sounds so backwards. But now it feels the other way around. Our theatre for the last four nights since we've been open has been full of performers mm. and crew and in um, creatives. And they're all coming and sending us messages like we're here to support. This is incredible. Congratulations. It, there is there is no other feeling in there. It's just amazing. Yeah. And just the the fact that there is a theatre that's open, it seems like such a, this would have been such an alien conversation to have, you know, a year ago, even nine months ago. I mean, we're slowly creeping up to the 10 month mark, but thankfully theatres are starting to open. But the idea that a concert version of a show would be put on regardless, you know, of the, of the pandemic itself seems strange. So the fact that there's a concert version in the West End, the theatre is open, there are freelancers and people being employed is a monumental step forward. And like, we should be celebrating that. Like, you guys should be so incredibly proud. And I hope that you feel that, feel that when you are on the stage. I hope that you feel proud of yourself because it's a huge achievement. Oh yeah, we do. We really do. It's the first show that we did on Monday night, the, the lights went down and Brian Connolly is playing Scrooge yes. and he's pre-recorded a, a pre-show announcement. As soon as the lights went down and the announcement began, the whole audience went crazy and wow. we were like blown away. We we're all backstage like shaking and I, I mean, yeah, I'm a mess. I'm crying all the time. I just cried. Uh, but it's getting better and bigger every night, night after night after night. Last night they blew my socks off yeah. uh, and I think I had maybe eight or ten messages from people that I've worked with in the past or performers that I just admire and follow on social media or people that I don't know that are you know new grads or students and sending messages like we came to the show tonight it's incredible you guys are amazing you're doing a wonderful thing and we get to the end of the show every night and we're all in tears and it's just amazing it's just a really overwhelming emotional experience to be a part of something in any year this would yeah. be really special it really is a special show but this year, we're, we're unbelievably fortunate to be there. And we know. We really know. Absolutely. For a seasoned professional like yourself that spent so much of your career on the stage, obviously stepping away from the stage and, and stopping performing is such a weird concept. And I imagine it took a long time to sort of dial it down and switch it off. But when you get the opposite of that, which is you get to go home, you get to go back and you get to you know, start creating again in a rehearsal process, day one of meeting with this cast and knowing it is actually going to happen. I mean, what was that like? Well, interestingly, we didn't have that because we were awaiting the tier system. Yes. Because we started rehearsals in lockdown too. Yep. So we all turned up kind of going, great, well, is it gonna happen? Are we gonna be all right here? Uh, and we were into our second week of rehearsals when the announcement was made that we were going to be in tier two. Therefore, we were allowed to open. And it was just like this sense of relief. Um, but yes, to answer your question, going back into a rehearsal room and creating again, and everyone has just got the biggest smile on their face all the time. And all the things that usually annoy you about rehearsal processes, like, oh, I've been called in at 10 and I've not done anything until 4 p.m. Yeah. Completely gone, okay. completely gone. I think that the people that have said things like that to me in the past and people that, you know, we, we've all got people in our lives that are just complainers. They just complain about stuff. Yes. They yes. just, you know, will come in one day and before they've even said hello to you, they were like, shit, my tube was busy this morning. You're like, oh, great, nice to see you too. And I'm a person that calls people out on it. If someone texts me and is like they want something and they open the text with, can you help me with this or can you do this for me? I will reply saying, I'm great, thanks, how are you? <laughs> I'm just, I'm that annoying person. And I'm like that in rehearsals as well. If someone's complaining about something, I will try and gently nudge them to see and remember how lucky we are to be there. Absolutely, Generally, yeah. anyway. All of that is gone now. Nobody has that. It's just a joyous experience. Yeah. And we're working for LMTO and Gary England, so we're being treated unbelievably well and taken care of and our health and safety more than ever but they're always good anyway but with covid testing and all of that kind of social distancing and we have two covid operators on on site at all times and if anyone gets too close to each other backstage talking 
they're in there. Does the two meter stick come out? We we actually don't have a two meter stick on this. We did on <laughs> on title of show. We literally, our uh, bless her art, our stage manager had a two meter stick <laughs> that she made, and she would get out, and it was just gold. We loved. It. I think she's taken it to Panto with her actually now. It's great. Um, but yeah, everyone's just thrilled to be there. I must admit though, rehearsing in a mask, I did have a bit of a crisis of confidence about okay. a week ago. So before we'd opened and we started to take off our masks um, for our dress rehearsal and things, we didn't, we tacked in our masks uh, just to be as safe as possible, you know, Um, which is fine. Nobody really had anything to say about it. But then taking them off, it was a really strange experience. I felt like I kind of regressed by a few years in terms of skill and confidence because one, none of us had done it for a number of months. But two, we've been creating these characters behind a wall and so taking down that wall was a really strange experience and jack josser who's playing christmas future has never been on stage before this is her first musical um by the way she's brilliant she's brilliant you'll see um she said to me one day i don't know what anyone looks like and i was like oh shit (laughs) you don't you don't and it just kind of resonated and i went home thinking about it and i was like god nobody's seen what anyone else is doing and it really knocked me for a minute um but then we did the dress rehearsal and everything was fine and you know it was like back to where we were and it's amazing but it's interesting that i never kind of anticipated that happening yeah i feel very lucky to say that i've actually been to the theater twice actually in the last two days very very privileged i must underline that but you know and being an audience member in a theater at the moment is quite a stressful experience and, and there are so many more difficult experiences in life I absolutely accept that but going from very fun you know very touchy-feely very much about a collaborative sort of you go with your friends to you can only go in obviously the social bubble that you're in it's mass the whole time you stand so far away from everyone else and of course you have the mask on for the entirety of the performance and it feels it almost feels like you can't let go in a way and that feels quite sad but it's a very small sacrifice to make to make sure that these important venues open what's it like for you on stage performing to basically just a group of blank faces essentially i imagine sort of hearing people laugh must be incredible because you know they're enjoying it <laughs> yeah i mean first of all i'm i'm really sorry that you feel that way that's that's really sad um, i've seen a couple of things i went to see songs for new world yes. uh, back before lockdown two yeah. um and i saw uh jesus christ superstar in the park which was incredible as ever and i've seen a couple of other things as well um and honestly i've forgotten about the mask after a while i have forgotten about it because i find coming into a theater and just being there such a comfort so that then when people come out on stage i'm losing myself in that more than i ever have before because it's a rarity you know so um i wish i could give you some of that (laughs) (laughs) so you could enjoy it a little bit more but being on stage yeah brian does a joke every night (laughs) where he says at the end of the show i wish you could all uh when you come back to the show paint a smile on your mask so that we can see that you're enjoying it um and we you know it's a note that the creatives are giving us just because we can't see their smiley faces doesn't mean they're not enjoying it because they've got people coming up to them constantly if they're carrying a notebook or you know wearing a lanyard or something from the theater people are coming up to them and saying thank you and this is incredible and what a warm experience and so we had to know at the finale yesterday to to just be a little bit warmer ourselves because uh, i think maybe we were all you know see you you mirror don't you so we're seeing eyes and you know blanks so maybe i think maybe we were just being a little bit distanced from yeah. whereas usually in the finale and especially in a beautiful christmasy show with a huge orchestra and you know you'd be beaming and we are but you know we want to match our audience and it's an interesting experience, uh, but uh, it doesn't shake me. It really doesn't shake me. I thought that it would, especially after feeling that kind of crisis of confidence and that imposter thing last week. I really thought, oh shit, this is gonna be difficult. Yeah. But it's not because the, the roar that comes from that, that room, that theater, and it is getting bigger and bigger every day. And I spoke to someone yesterday who's seen the show for the third time and we've done four shows. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be one of those for people. People are just loving it because it's joy. It's just pure joy and it's redemption and it's kindness and it's second chances. And that's, I think people need that right yeah. now. 
definitely and to hear that theatre is bringing joy like that that's what it's all about of course there is wonderful stories to be heard and they're incredibly important but theatre is joy and you know perhaps that is linked to why I miss I hate the mask so much is because I miss the smile I miss people being happy I I I I sort of, I do really miss that connection you get, even like on the tube, for example, yesterday, when you accidentally sort of nudge someone, you say, oh, sorry, and they're like, oh, no worries, and they smile, and you know that it was completely innocent. You think, I'd love to see how beautiful you look under there, or how much you're smiling, or enjoying your day, or have a connection, and I know it will come, and I know it's part of a big, a bigger conversation, but yeah, I, I just miss, I wish we could all just be that little bit closer, because, you know, I, I miss everyone. I, I, I miss how incredible this industry is. And, and getting to go to see these shows did remind me of just the, the pure talent that we have in this country. Like it's, it is second to none. And I imagine you get to witness that every night. I mean, this cast is quite literally the creme de la creme. I really don't think you could get anybody, anybody better for those roles. It's, it's exceptional. I, it's it's a little bit mind blowing that I'm in there with them. I, the first no, day we do sing through. No, I'm serious. We because of the way that this all ran and because of the you know late notice, the last minute nature of it, we all learnt the score before we came into rehearsals. So on the first morning, usually you know you sit around, you say hello, my name's Lucy. Um, I'm wearing a Ravenclaw jumper, but I'm not in Ravenclaw. You know, you say something about yourself. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to be playing the Ghost of Christmas Past. And everyone goes around and they say their bit and then we go, right, okay, let's learn the show. What we did was we went into a room, we had COVID tests downstairs, and then we came upstairs in our masks with our cups of tea, you know, just lifting the mask and sipping the tea. And um, we sat on socially distanced chairs in the Great Hall at um, Bishopsgate Institute, which is a huge room. Mm -hmm. And we sang through the show. That was the first thing we did. And that is, I mean, not only is that alien, it's astonishing that all of these incredible people, I mean, we've got people in our ensemble, like we've got Lizzie B in our ensemble, who is about ah, to play yes. Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray. And she, if I walk past her on stage and she's given me the top alto, I'm blown away. She is incredible and she's in our ensemble mm -hmm. and she i mean she, i think she's brilliant I, as a human i think she's great um and I, th there's many many people in our in our room like that but freddie uh and gary and jim arnold in casting they literally sat down together and said who's the dream team who who are our number one choices for all of these things and taking everything into consideration who do we want for this and you have to real everyone's available and everyone's dying to work. So in what other world would you be able to get Brian Connolly for a four week run yeah. at like a month's notice? At Christmas, he's the king of panto, but he's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. Everyone is just astonishing. If I hear Cedric Neal do one more riff that makes me wanna like poo on the floor, he's just amazing. <laughs> Everyone, everyone in there, everyone in there is just astonishing. The musicians, even the orchestra is full of Freddie's first choices. And it's, it's amazing. That never happens, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, to sit and to watch that sing through on the first day. Again, I was sat just across from Jack Josser and she kept turning around to me going, what the fuck? This is the first time <laughs> I've ever been in a room like this and all of these people. And she was like, is it always like this? And I was like, no, babe, <laughs> it's not, it's not. But yeah, it's it's a it's really quite a remarkable thing. Sounds it just sounds amazing. I cannot wait to come see it and to to you you're right in when you're saying how you know you probably wouldn't get an ensemble like this you know in terms of a, of a cast like this. But it feels so special, and I think that's what we sort of all need to take the deep breath and really appre appreciate in the best possible way the fact that we are getting little sort of vignettes of hope and excitement and, and real beauty out of this. I mean, Cedric Neal for me can do no wrong anyway, oh, but yeah, to get too. to see him in a role like this and a show like this, that feels incredibly, incredibly special. Yeah, it really is. And do you know what? And it, it's really nothing against um, the way that shows are normally cast because I don't think that these yeah. people are any better. But what I mean is but from like an ego standpoint, you would never usually see people of that stature and that it, yeah. that level of uh, you know the jobs that they've done and the roles that they've played and um i mean d don't get me wrong i think i don't think there's a trajectory that we have to stick to i'm absolutely expecting to be back in the ensemble in a couple of years 
but the, it's it's not really the done way, you know? Uh, so it's really special. It's a really, really special thing. And I just love them all for it. I think everyone's just brilliant. One thing I just remembered when you mentioned the ensemble there was um, one of the first, in fact, it wasn't one of the first times, it was the very, very first time that I ever saw Les Mis was when I saw you in the show. And I think you were playing Cosette, right? Yeah, I had a, my, the first time I did Les Mis, I was playing Cosette. However, for my first four weeks, uh, somebody else was playing Cosette and I just did my ensemble track, yes. uh, which at the time I, I was kind of, you know, knocked back by and it felt very strange um, because I didn't know it was happening in advance either. It was just a bit of a miscommunication yeah. thing. Um, but my God, I learned so much. I learned so much. And I, I, I was a child. I, I'd done, you know, my amateur dramatics and I wanted to go to musical theatre school and I didn't get in anywhere. And I, then I went and did X Factor and then I did the tour and then I met my agent and then I auditioned for Les Mis and there I was being hall number three. Um, and it was quite an experience, but I learned so much, yeah. so, so much. And I loved it. I loved it. I go back in a heartbeat. And speaking of amazing casts, like you were with your mate Sam Barks, who's soon to be yes. Miss Elsa, sort of queen of everything in Frozen. I mean, queen that, of Arendelle. I mean, that role variety performance we could spend the entirety of this podcast talking about, but ridiculous. Oh like, my God. Unbelievably obsessed with that. And also. Can you believe what she looks like? Can you believe that a human being looks like that? She looks so. And also, the costume design, like, she, of course, it fits her perfectly. She has the most sort of amazing look anyway but it looked like literally it was meant to be on her do you know what i mean it was like yeah. this is the perfect fit the costume yeah. the hair i was obsessed with the hair like the curl yeah. at the front it's maybe maybe i've been away from theater for so long but just no 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 i felt the same it was she she looked quite literally perfect yeah. she looked like elsa yeah like the cartoon elsa is yeah. can you imagine when she walked in and sang let it go they must have been like cool none of us have to do any work here <laughs> <laughs> And also in that Les Mis cast, just to go back to that, um, Norm Lewis, who um, anyone that listens to this podcast will start probably switch off at this point because I've spent every single podcast talking about my undying obsession with Norm Lewis. I think he is oh, no way. the best of the best of the best. I told Sierra Boggus about it because obviously they played opposite each other in Phantom and, and she was like, you are obsessed. And I was like, I am. I think he's the best ever. But I mean, that was just like the best cast ever. I mean, you literally couldn't get any better again. Like what was that experience like was it just was it as you said just ridiculous yeah i mean it's a little bit like what we're doing now the because we had the west end cast the tour cast the barbican cast and the all-star cast on stage at the o2 making one sound i will never forget when we that first concert when we did um one day more yep. and i got to be in the in the front of the march thing in the in the What's this shape? Triangle. Oh God, I'm so sorry. It's been a long week. Um, what's this shape? Help me. Where am I? Uh, what day is it? Um, yeah, when we got to do the march, because I didn't get to do it in the actual show, because I was playing Cosette and sat on the floor, you know, all forlorn, like what is my life to be? Um, it was just astonishing. And I just remember being like, I am surrounded by the most talented people on the fricking planet yeah and i mean amazingly i think cameron kind of paved a way there because these things do happen now and the, the you know the all-star concerts and mm. the the one night versions of things and the dream casts and stuff like that and i go and see them all i, I just love them um and i've been lucky enough to be in a few of them but that day when we did that march i just remember feeling like it in my fingernails it was just electric and the, the talent on the stage. Oh, Aish, and unbelievable. Did you ever get Eponine Envy? Did you ever think, oh, I'd mind a crack at that? Do you know, um, I was auditioning for Eponine. It okay. was uh, at the final. Here's how the day of my finals for Les went. I got up, I used to live in Putney. I got up for breakfast. Uh, I went for a run, because I was like, oh, I'm so scared. I was about 12. Um, and then I, I walked up to Putney Bridge and I got on the tube and then this girl got on a few stops later and I was looking at her and I was like, I know you, that's really weird. She was kind of looking at me too and I was like, kind of wearing the same clothes, that's really weird. Um, and at some point she just kind of leaned over to me and went, are you Lucy Jones? 
And I went, yeah, you smoke the box. And she went, yeah. She was like, I love your boots. And I was like, cool. So we're going to be best friends. Uh, and we were, and we still are. Uh, and she was like, where are you going? And I was like, I've got a Les Mis audition. She was like, yeah, me too. And I was like, brilliant. Not going to get that then. <laughs> um, so we turned up together and we were kind of mixing and matching. And, you know, Alistair Brammer was there and... Uh, Matt Roberts was there and a couple of other people um, that eventually didn't get the roles or whatever, for whatever reason. Um, and we were mixing and matching. There was a whole bunch of cassettes and then it was just Sam and I for Eponine. And they were mixing and matching around and then Sam and I both went out on stage at, at, together at one point and they just kind of looked at us for a while and I was like, this is really weird. And then Cameron came down to the front of the stage and said to me, Lucy, looking at you next to Samantha, we, uh, we think you look like Cosette. Would you mind singing it? And I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, just go over to the piano and have a little look over it. And I went over to the piano. And I was like, I'm, I don't know Cosette. Like I've, I've seen, I used to watch the 10th anniversary on video, like religiously. <laughs> but it just wasn't, a, I was, you know, I watched Eponine and I watched Fontaine and, uh, it was just the way that the show used to be. They used to kind of, you know, play it that way that Cosette was the meek one. Um, so it didn't stand in my memory. And I went over to the piano and he was like, can you hit this note? And he played a top D and I was like, fucking hell. Uh, so I squeezed and I sang with all my might and I managed to blag it. So and I, when I got the job, I was like, Jesus, how the hell have I done that? Uh, but incredible. Yeah, of course I'll do it. Amazing. And then Sam texted me and said she got eponine and we were like, this is going to be brilliant. Um, so the kind of thrill of being there anyway, I never felt I never felt jealous of, of Sam uh, for, you know, for, for playing that role or anything. And God, I would never feel bitter towards her. She's just wonderful. Um, and I was there. I was doing a West End show and I was 18 and... It was my dream come true. It was, it was like about a year from the time of my first musical theatre school audition being rejected, then me auditioning for like 20 courses and didn't get in anywhere, to the day that we opened Les Mis. It was about a year. Uh, and I just, I was just so freaking grateful to be there. And I learned so much and it was amazing. So, so no, not really, interestingly. One of my favourite shows that I've ever seen you in is Waitress. And we have to talk about it because apart from William, it's my other favourite W word. So let's talk about that because you're... <laughs> I'm glad you left that. That was really awkward. Um, because that show... How many words to choose from? <laughs> no, behave. Um, no, because... no. Because that show, like, let's, let's just... We're, it, we're joking, but let's just be real for a second. That show is an absolute piece like masterpiece like it's an absolute work of art it from from the very beginning to the very end and I think a lot of people myself included had sort of fumbled through the soundtrack sort of felt like we knew it but didn't to then get to go and experience it and I really do think some shows only really come to life in their entirety and you find that connection when you get the opportunity to sit in a theatre and see it and my god waitress is one of them I mean, I know that you, there was so many discussions about you being in it with the infamous picture on Broadway where you became like this ridiculous superstar in New York. <laughs> and it was like, Lucy Jones is literally taking over the world. But to then, and I know that obviously there was a journey for you getting the role. So when it was day one and it was like, right, here we go. She's mine, quite literally, play on words there. You get to be in the show and get to play her. And you know, the curtain goes up and we get to see you behind there. Do you even remember what that was like or was just the entire process just pretty much a little bit of a blur? No, it's very vivid, actually, because okay. it was such a long time coming. There's, I mean, I could talk about it all day. There was so many um, page turns and corners and U-turns and 360s and all sorts of, you know, stuff happened when we were in the process of getting that job and getting the job and then not having the job and then the job being there again and the, it being a different capacity and being on a different side of the world. And like, there was just so many things happened. Um, but the day that I opened, I wasn't supposed to open it. I, it was what I called my ninja shows. Um, <laughs> I, we were, my beautiful agent is the most protective man in the world. And I think waitress made him even more protective uh he was promised that i would have been announced as jenna before i went on for my first shows which you know would just have made sense um 
but then the recast of Ashley Roberts coming in as Dawn was going to go out a few days later and they just decided to hold it. So for lots and lots of reasons, nobody officially knew that I was going to be playing the role in any capacity, let alone that day at that theatre. Um, and Dave Hunter and I have been um, in contact since that very, very first day of auditions. He was, I was in very, very first, that I did the very first meeting for Waitress in London in person. I think they'd done the year before they'd done like videos and sent some stuff over to the States and things. Um, and I didn't get a sniff then that was, it was way out of my league. But when it came to actually physically doing auditions, interestingly, I was the very first person they saw for any role or any track. Wow. Um, and the second person they saw was David Hunter. And so when I came out, I saw him and I was like, all right, mate, how are you? And I, like, how's the missus and everything? It's nice to see you. And he was like, I actually don't think we've ever met. And I was like, oh no, we're just Facebook friends. And it was <laughs> one of those moments, like meeting Sam on the tube. And I was like, cool. So now we, we're going to be friends. That's great. Um, and so we were kind of texting back and forth a lot during the process and just kind of supporting each other through it. Cause it was, um, it, it was long by the end of it it was really long and we in the process of finishing the auditions and then actually hearing about the job Dave and I booked another show did the show finished the show together and then we heard afterwards so it was quite a long process so it was just a long time coming mm -hmm. and the day that I turned up at the theatre to do my dress rehearsal on my first show having still not been announced as Jenna was an interesting feeling but it's going to sound arrogant. I knew I was going to do, I knew I was going to do all right. I knew it was going to be okay. And I didn't, going on for someone like Kat McPhee was a scary experience because she's a lot of fans. And I knew that there would be people in the audience expecting to see her. Also going on when there was two other covers in the building who were both brilliant and wonderful human beings made me feel weird. Uh, so there was lots of things there peppering it, but I I knew I'd had I'd had about six months to work on it. Will I knew it inside out. I'd, yeah. My incredible acting coach had uh, taken me through the whole thing. We'd watched a load of films together and done loads of research, and I just felt quite solid in it. Yeah. So I just felt like you need to you need to enjoy this. You have to remember all of it. And then in the dress rehearsal, every time I walked into the diner, I completely forgot what scene it was, and I had to get fed lines, and it was awful. Okay. And I was like fuck this is gonna be so bad so then the bit between the show and the dress rehearsal was a blur but then coming close now it's time to tell you one turning off your phone song at the start of the show i'm set behind the, the, the curtain and piers bait was standing behind me and i just like grabbed him and i was like <gasps> he went no you're fine you're fine and we just had a little moment and then as soon as the curtain came out i just felt this sense of like oh my God, it's happening. You can relax. Because I think until that point, I was just ready at any moment for it to not be real. Yeah. And Gavin at my agent and I kept saying, I'll believe it when I'm holding the pie. I will believe it when the pie is in my hands, the gauze is flying out and I've got a little sketcher on, you know, I'll, I'll believe it then. And I just felt this relief like wash over me. And it was the best night. It was just the best night. And I just, I remember the night before Dave Hunter had tweeted, uh, you need to come to the diner tomorrow. Ah, uh, I remember this tweet. Down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if he got in trouble for it. I'm sure he didn't. Cause I mean, he didn't say anything, did he really? But um, I had to switch my phone off cause I was getting like calls and texts and I wasn't allowed to say anything because you know, you sign things that say, we'll let the press release happen and then we'll yep. of course happily talk about it and be excited and um so i just switched off my phone and then went to the theater the next day and then i did it and then after the show um i kept getting my phone in my dressing room kept ringing saying uh lucy your mum and dad are here lucy your agent is here lucy your friends from school are here and i was like i don't like there'd just been this like scurry of chat and lo all those people that I really cared about came and Freddie was there and it was just, oh, it was just awesome. It was honestly one of the best nights ever, definitely of my career, that and the Adelphi and my first night as Elle, that they're just like standout moments. And then the next day, I think the next morning we did a press release and they announced Ashley and um, we got to do our little press conference on the stage at the Adelphi and that was, it was like, right, we're in, cool.
let's go let's have it um yeah it was quite an experience the whole thing but uh i overall a completely positive one yeah and i love that show more than i could ever tell you because you really were the talk of the town and it seems like sort of the age-old saying of you know when a show gets lots of buzz but i think because of the poster thing in new york because there had been sort of the Twitter discussions about, oh, I heard that Lucy Jones is in the <laughs> I mean, part of me does think it was one of the it's worst this. kept secrets ever, but again, that's exciting. And and then for, I imagine in, as an audience member and as a fan, especially after Mr. Hunter's tweet, to then see you stood there must have been like, oh my gosh, it's actually happening. Like, like I just remember <laughs> people, and, and I'm going to tell this story now because I, I told you I did have a story and I wanted to make sure that I do say it because a very good friend of mine who introduced me to Waitress um, is one of my longest and best friends called Jess. And she, tell, she told me this story of how she discovered Waitress sort of randomly in New York. She wanted to see it. She'd heard a few songs. She saw Jesse and she said she sort of had a bit of a breakdown and her husband was a bit like, I like it, but I don't get it. And then went back to see it again and was like, oh, now I get it. Because it's mm. so, it sits within its own bracket as well. You have to sort of be emotionally invest in a show. And sometimes for whatever reason, he, he probably wasn't there, but he went back, fell in love with it. And then they came to see the show in London. And she kept saying to me, Will, when's Lucy on holiday? Because I need to make sure she's not away when I go. And I was like, okay, I think she's on this date, according to the website. She's not been off a week, you should go. And she did, and she was lucky enough to see you. And she just references the fact that she had a full scale meltdown, as in she completely lost it. And she refers to it so often because she says that it sort of changed her life because she connected with a character in a way that ended up being that, um, is the finale song Everything Changes? That's right, isn't it? Yeah. That yeah. became her pregnancy song. And then she very soon after that had a baby and it's all connected oh. emotionally to her that every time we talk about it and we were talking about the tour and she said, we've never seen this show together. And I said, I don't think I could see it with you because it means so much to you. And I feel like you having a breakdown would make me have a breakdown, which is not a cute experience. So, but it just changes people's lives. It really does. And it, it seems like such a cliche thing to say, but your performance in that show for her quite literally changed everything. And I think that's testament not only to you, but to Sarah's phenomenal work and the music and, and the truth of theatre. You know, we play it for real in every sense because we are hopefully trying to connect with people. And, and I just love that story. I think it's amazing that, that it followed her through to the birth of her own child. I mean, first of all, that makes me want to sob. <laughs> that and and I've heard it like that people used to come to stage door and say this show has changed my life and it's to be a, a small part of someone having an experience like that is the most wonderful thing it's the most incredible thing you could ever hope for as a performer all you want to do is move people and you want to tell people a story and take them on a journey and find something for them take them on a bit of an escape route you know for a moment and it's one of those shows that I talk about it often that we had a stand innovation every single performance. I never did a show where we didn't see everyone stand at least once during the show yeah. um, or at the end of the show. Um, and the cast were incredible, of course, incredible, but it's the show. It's the heart and the soul of, I mean, the book and the film are incredible and the way in which that is written. And it was written by the woman who played Dawn in the film. Uh, who unfortunately never got to see it come to fruition. Uh, she she died very tragically, um, but we won't get into that because uh, that's really sad. Um, but that paired with the, let's call it genius, because that word gets banded around, but I truly mean it, the genius of Sarah Bareilles, uh, matched with then the staging, the choreography of it being everyday stuff and so subtle and just feels like the stage is moving and breathing this life and it's it's beautiful it's so subtle and so real and so guttural and the characters are all flawed all of them have got flaws and to play those kind of people in a musical and the songs to be so such a simple extension of yeah. speech is a gift uh, and I'd do it again in a heartbeat. It is the most wonderful experience I've ever had on stage. The people were incredible. The music, the story, the book, 
the connection that we all felt to each other and just being part of something like that uh it blows anything else out of the water really uh and I, I love my job I love all my jobs I've always been so in love with what I've done at the time but waitress will really stick with me it and really will and this idea, I think, I think for me, this idea of not in this lifetime, I don't think we ever really explore this, but I think, yes, but, but not now. And how many times have we, as we as individuals, felt that in the biggest things, you know, with ex-partners or jobs or opportunities, but just not in this lifetime. And I, I so wish we could explore that in, in so many more shows because I, I think I think it's real. I think it's a a sense almost or a reality that we sort of don't explore that often because maybe we're scared of it. Perhaps you know, fear of the unknown. Yeah, I th do you know what I think it is? Is it's awkward. Yeah. Nobody likes to say, "I'm completely in love with you," but we can't do this because it's not right, or I don't want to be in this job anymore because this other opportunity has come up, but the right thing to do is to stay. Yeah. And to, to do the wrong thing or to step out and do the brave, but maybe wrong thing. People don't want to talk about that. That's the last thing that people want to talk about. But I completely agree with you. And actually the scene in which, uh, at the end of the show, spoiler alert, where Jenna says to the doctor, we can't do this. Let's walk away from each other. And he says, another lifetime. If David and I had had to do that, knowing that it was our last show, it would have been like biblical. We would never have got through it, not in a million years. I used to cry anyway, like daily. It's almost a blessing that we never got to do that show. Yeah. Because doing that and stepping away from each other uh, as the great friends that we are in the greatest job of our lives in this incredible moment, it would have been impossible. So I'm actually quite glad we never had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, never say never. You know, I know this, there's a tour mm. and the, um, that show will live on forever. So maybe maybe one day we can keep everything crossed. That we get the reunion that we deserve, not want. We deserve. <laughs> I will say that we deserve that. Damn it, we deserve it. <laughs> yes, we do. Do you, know what, do you know what line in the show that I always really love? And maybe because it's such an emotional show, you sort of go to the other end of the scale. But I love it when Jenna gets to kick some ass at the end. When she's oh. like, you get out before I get someone to carry you out. I was like, yeah. I'm using that. I'm using, that's a good line. Mm, oh my God, I used to love saying it as well. It's one of those things that like, you, you know, you've got to protect your voice and, you know, be on a level and everything. But I used to get to that point and I'd, sometimes I'd just give it hell. Absolute <laughs> hell. And both the guys that played Earl and the guys that covered it, everyone was really good. They were proper actors. Yeah. And they really made you hate him. Really made you hate him. And you did hate him. It was Oh like, my god, yeah. Do you know what do you know what bit I think it is in the show that makes you hate him? Is it is not the disgustingness of his existence through the show and all the, the way that it's written. It's the um the do it when just before she used to be mine, when he makes her take out the money from out of the sofa. And he does that sort of the grab into the scene and then, you know, forces her to do exactly what he knows she doesn't want to do. And it's yeah. that level of control. And again, mm -hmm. something we don't really tend to see on stage and that probably, you know, massive kudos again to Waitress for tackling difficult subjects as well. You know, it's really is just a bloody brilliant show. And I think it's testament it really to you is. and everyone else. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was a complete joy. And but on that scene, just quickly, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. And I could talk about it all day. <laughs> that scene, um, we really tried to explore the rea the the complete reality of it because yeah. he knows what's going on. He knows what she's doing and he chooses to accept her lie so that he has that control over her. Yeah. And if anyone listening to this has ever been in that situation, you'll know that to be controlled by someone else's feeling over you or someone else's power over you because of either something you've done or tried to do, it's hell. Yeah. It's it's hell. Uh, and to kind of we we talked a lot about that and we shared stories and had real moments of people would kind of. But when I I could spoke to a couple of people about this in in the company and people would come to me and talk to me about their experience of, is of it experiences of it. Sorry. And um, and we really tried to play on that. So it was a very personal and emotional thing as a group. That scene yeah. kind of uh, was 
uh, everyone's and it it was harrowing but a complete pleasure to perform because people watching it will have felt that yeah and you're right we don't get to see that very often we don't get to see you know that that control and it's like a taboo thing we'd have people come to stage door and say i was in an abusive relationship and i managed to get out or you know and people would just share with us and it was it was just a cathartic experience yeah. for for everyone that was there including us uh, definitely including us uh, but yeah what a beautiful beautiful piece of theater definitely well thank you waitress for being bold and brave and new and exploring in so many different ways you know new theater and pushing the boundaries i think of what can be achieved on stage and like i mentioned the show is going on tour so there is going to be an opportunity if you didn't get the chance to see it to i hope think within 2021 i believe so yeah it's out there and you know maybe we'll get the reunion that we deserve fingers crossed um okay we spoke about so many things um so i want to play a quick game with you so i can let you go off to the theater and back to a christmas carol so um <laughs> what i'm going to do is in the theme of waitress because it's amazing. I want to imagine what sort of pies would certain characters that you've played create? So what sort of stuff would they put inside? What sort of things mm. would they want flavors to be or things to be inside? And, and anyone that's seen Waitress knows that Jenna's choices of pie are so clever and so smart. So no pressure, but don't be shit. Okay, so. Ah, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times over the last year people have asked me to do fucking pie. <laughs> and I am so rubbish at it. Okay, here we go. Okay, so currently I'm playing the Ghost of Christmas Past. Yeah. And she is light. Okay, so she comes on and she's like a light uh, source for him. And she's shining light into the dark corners of his past. And that's the energy of it. So I'm playing her as a very bubbly, joyful, I know this is shit, but look at it isn't it great to see look how much illumination i'm putting on this terrible corner of your past uh so i would probably do something that really doesn't match because people don't expect the ghost of christmas past to come on and be hello which is how i enter the <laughs> stage um so let's do something like marshmallows and sprinkles and glitter and all the fun of the fair with like sausages something that just doesn't go okay <laughs> your face <laughs> oh sausages yeah yeah i told you you shouldn't play games with me i'm crap <laughs> i wish you could see how much hand gesticulation is coming from Lucy while she's saying that like she means this stuff this is passion uh, <laughs> wow, oh okay. god thank god this okay is a short so there's game. that one do yeah you know one definitely I wanted to gonna do be next, a short game because I think this would be fun what do you think Eurovision Lucy Jones would want in a pie Ooh, a day off no I'm just kidding um <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy time will you know um okay so eurovision lucy jones would definitely want lots of glitter because it was about kind of sparkle and fun and um my dress was gold and when we got our one bout of 12 points we threw a load of glitter in the air and that was really fun um so it's some sort of glitter uh and then maybe some sort of like dreadful fear that you're going to come last so maybe something that fills you with fear like hot sauce um or i don't know wasabi um and then something that's just complete joy and perfect like uh fox's bis uh, double chocolate chip cookies crumbled um and then chips because chips, chips yeah. are just awesome and chips are good with everything. i told you you shouldn't play this game with me <laughs> <laughs> so sausage ah! and okay yeah i'm not i'm not sure you're gonna suddenly become like the, the winner of the apprentice anytime soon with these ideas listen but, but... babe also i'm the most terrible cook i am terrible like Why i haven't not? eaten today i i haven't eaten today because nothing was easy in the fridge so when i go out now i'm gonna have to buy some food for myself don't you have a He's husband gonna... isn't that isn't that why you get one 
isn't that why you get one really yeah. good and he is actually a really really good cook um but he's out working today so okay he's yeah. not there when you need him pointless is, yeah pointless you haven't even been to the shop yeah. excuse me i'm lucy jones i'm on the west end i need feeding thank you very much i'm a west end star please <laughs> Oh God, that's gonna get me cancelled. Just that one line. We're not cancelling Lucy Jones. We're not. Under Please any don't. I've got shit to do. She's got shit to do, and she's a hun. So pack that in. Thank you very much. Well, that was a very uh, short game, and I'm actually glad that we've ended it there because I'm not even <laughs> can be sausages. So that's. I mean, to be fair, right. The next show that you do, whatever it may be, um, you'll be getting an opening night gift from me. Please have a fridge ready because you'll be getting sausages. So just oh, and it's not gonna have a, it, it's not gonna have any label on it i just want you to remember this moment forever so you'll be getting <laughs> random random sausages from me thank you very much oh that's hilarious well i can't wait and well can i just say i have known you for quite some time now and you've always been amazing at whatever you've done and i'm so proud of you for doing this podcast and thank you for having me on here it's it's going to be a triumph this whole this whole series or whatever you call a group of pod Podcast. Podcast eyes. Uh, podcast eye, yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be brilliant and I can't wait to listen to all of them. I just think you're wonderful. Very kind. Thank you so much and thank you for being on here. And also, we've worked together on so many different occasions from interviews to the Pride karaoke at Waitress to everything and now this. And I'm such a fan of yours, as you know. So just thank you so much for your time. Best of luck with A Christmas Carol. I cannot wait to see it. By the time this comes out, I thank also will you. have been able to see it. So that's exciting. Oh, yay! But thank you so much. Um, please, please, thank please you. stay safe, most importantly. And I cannot wait thank to finally you. be able to give you a hug in 20-something or other, some point in the future. Oh, oh serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll see you very soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Will. Bye. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at club11.london or via our official social channels. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.